<sighs> My brain is like starting to fall asleep. Um, it's okay. We're almost there. Okay, we'll make it through. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I'm Jeff. And I'm Juliana. And this week we are talking about Shadow and Bone, chapters five and six. Hooray! So if you haven't read Shadow and Bone up to that point, feel free to hit the pause button, go back and refresh yourself on those chapters. But if you can't, then we will be including chapter summaries with our discussion. Yes, just note that. From here on out, there will be spoilers for chapters one through six for Shadow and Bone. So if you don't want to hear that, please go back and read and come back here when you are done. We'll be here. Don't worry. We're waiting. Where are we going to go? I don't know. You know what drives me crazy about catching people up on the news? Yes. I love talking about what's going on in the fandom. And I love talking about what's going on with the show, but because we release every other week, if things happen in the fandom and we want to report on it, then by the time our episode comes out, some people have heard. But on the other hand, some people may not have heard. So that's Mm -hmm. really why we talk about what's going on in the fandom when we do this bit. It's not just about us. Yes, it is partially our own benefit that this news section comes out, but... Yeah, it's it's nice to just keep everyone on the same page, especially as we're going to probably get more information about the second season of the show going forward, which is really exciting. You want to do the, the news from the front? So, just on a personal note for the show, we still need titles for our fun segment and our question segment at the end of the show. So if you have any suggestions, please let us know. And also just a reminder that our Etsy store is live. So if you would like to get a pin, a sticker, or a custom-made Kefta art piece, you can head on over to our Etsy shop, which is Into the Fold on Etsy. And we also have some updates for the show. So... In regards to the next season of the show, Shadow and Bone on Netflix, not this show, they are looking at the earliest of June 2022 for that season to come out. The writing is fully done, and we actually did get a quote from one of the showrunners, and he said, In January, Netflix set us off to write the scripts with the hope that we get renewed and could hit the ground running. This is common practice, but it's just as common that you do all the writing and don't get picked up. So we're lucky and thrilled to continue. I cannot imagine how frustrating that must be to do all that work to write oh, yeah. something good and then they don't even pick you up. Yeah, that and the fact that he said it's a common practice for them to write out multiple seasons of a show, which I could see that as a someone who is a quote unquote creative, I definitely could see myself getting carried away and writing multiple seasons of a show. You get carried away? Never. 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 And- never. And have like five seasons of a show ready to go before anyone even said yes to the first season. Mm. So I I could see that being a thing, but I definitely, I'm excited. Do you know what you would do? I'll tell you exactly what you would do. You would pitch an idea 
to uh-huh. somebody, you would say, what do you think about this idea that I have just pitched to you? And then by the time they actually go to start typing a response to the idea you've described to them, you would send them like screenshots of the first <laughs> five seasons and you'd say, okay, so I did that. I casted everyone. I brought all props already. We have a location. I just need you to show up tomorrow. Okay, thanks. Definitely you. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, I'm not part of this uh, team that's writing the shows, but Jeff's from Jeff's observations, I clearly could be a part of the screenwriting uh, t- team on a motivation-based level only because i'm not a screenwriter speaking of the netflix show i'm not really one from rumor mongering but every now and then when a rumor comes up and it appears to be gaining at least some traction i do like to kind of unpack it a little bit apparently there was an article that i saw i saw the article published on uh by the vulcan reporter that said that six of crows was getting a spinoff series did you see this yeah so i was actually i saw that on one of the on a Google search that I did for when I was researching to check the news here. And then in one of the Facebook groups that we're both a part of, someone had posted it. But the weird thing is I was looking on my phone both times and the article itself wouldn't load for me. So I don't know what the article actually said because I couldn't actually get the article to load. I tell you, I I, I don't want to trash talk on the show, but that article was the only one I could find that was written out claiming that this was a thing. And when I looked up, is the Vulcan reporter a legitimate, trustworthy source of news? A lot of what I found said that it's not really. Ah, okay. So I don't know who's running it. I don't know if they're just having a laugh or what. But from what I can see, it appears that they are not going to spin off Six of Crows into a separate thing. I mean, honestly, it's so intertwined with the Shadow and Bone storyline at this point within the first season. It would just be, frankly, like hard to do, I think. And just not a good idea because... I agree. They went to a lot of trouble to create this new storyline where Six of Crows and uh, Shadow and Bone are even more intertwined. It would be a shame to undo all that now. Yeah. Like, let's see where it goes. We'll, we'll get to, don't worry, we'll get to the, the, the Six of Crows plot line. Yeah, that's going to be seasons five and six. Probably. No, sorry, four and five, I lie, four and five. So just as our last little bit of what's going on in the fandom type of news, we did get an email from Lee Bardugo, which is great because we don't get a ton of them. And if you're not subscribed to Lee Bardugo's emails, they are like everything else that she puts out. Even her emails are well written. And we're not going to go through the whole thing here because it's a bit long and there's a lot to it. There are two things that I want to highlight, though, from the email that speaking of rumor squashing which we kind of just did but not really is that she mentioned that there's a lot of speculation about who is being cast as Nikolai and she says quote I cannot stress this enough we have not started casting and once we do cast our Wylan our Nikolai our Tolia our Tamar I hope you'll welcome them kindly yeah, I actually really love the cast of the show. I think my favorite casting is Kit Younger, who plays um, Jess- Jesper. Yeah, sorry, brain fart for a second there. Who plays Jesper. I feel like he plays him excessively well, and that charm and just the cheekiness mm. 
that he portrays, I really, really enjoy because I feel like that's something that can be kind of hard to convey in a non, like, I guess to convey in a palatable way, you know, and he does a very good job. But I'm, I'm very excited for when we cast Nikolai because he's my favorite. Don't I know it. I think I said I was going to stress two things from the email. There's actually three that I want to talk about because I forgot about this next one is that she talks about how bad social media can be for our mental health. And she makes a good point. Social media can be a very, very good thing. If it were not for social media, Juliana, you and I would probably not have connected. Yeah, but met. She basically talks about how you have to find the right balance because sometimes the internet is not the friendliest of places. At other times, it certainly can be. As, as I said, you and I are best friends, and if it weren't for the internet, we wouldn't know each other. But yeah. sometimes you just got to take a step back from things. So if that's what you got to do for yourself, then just do it. Take care of yourself. Yeah. You matter. I definitely agree with her in that respect. And I have a lot of respect for her because she was able to step away from social media for about a month, I would say, this time around. And it's hard. It's hard to leave it behind. It's addicting to be part of social media, but it can also get really, really toxic and also just like really draining. Even if it's a lot of positive content, it's just a lot of effort. It just becomes oversaturated. You just reach a point of no return and then you just gotta start from scratch, shake the etch sketch and just start your drawing over again. And then at the end of the email, this is the last thing from the email and then we're gonna move on to our feedback, is she says, until then, stay hydrated, kick ass, eat waffles. All of those things are very, very good advice. Yes, I agree. Especially when it's hot outside like it is. Uh, it's actually nice today, but it's been very hot uh, the last week or so. So eat those waffles and drink that water and kick some ass. You can do that in any order you want. She does not specify. No, she does not. Are you ready for some feedback? Because we have it. Yes. Which means... It's time for... What's it time for? What, what are we doing? The voice of the people. In our last episode, we actually had two really fun kiss Mary kills that we put out there. Mm -hmm. There was one in particular that got a very strong response from the listening community where the choices were Mal, Alexi, and Fedyur. We got so many good responses to that that we have agreed that Juliana and I are each going to pick one of our favorites and we're going to read them. So Juliana, why don't you go first? So I think that my my favorite one was the one from Millie Ilias. And they said, is there an option where I can marry Alexi and Fenyor as in officiate their wedding? And then I'll bring Mal as my plus one to the ceremony. Let me know and I'll get the online certificate. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good one. That was a great one. And we we kept it going a little bit in the comments after that you wanted to know if we could come to the wedding mm -hmm. and then we kept it going in the comment section after that because you asked if we could be invited to the wedding millie Ilias wanted to know if we would dress nice because they heard the king of ravka was going to be there and i had this very Tyrion lannister from game of thrones moment where i said which king of ravka would that be Kings are um, endangered species these days. I think even once you have stepped into this universe for a moment, it is abundantly clear 
that people who sit on thrones don't sit on thrones for very long. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a rolling theme, you know. And I I would just like to say I have not heard of this ship yet, the Alexei Fenyor ship. So I'm here for it. It sounds good to me. You said Fedyer. Good for you. I'm working on my pronunciation like Nikolai or Nikolai. No, no, you said it right the first time and then you (laughs) You do this to me on purpose. I know you do. Yeah, that was on purpose. You do this to me on purpose. purpose. That was fully on purpose. (laughs) Okay, Jeff, which, which response did you like the best? I'm going to... Give a shout out to our friend Marjolin. I like what she said. She kept it very, very simple and gave a perfect response to why she picked what she picked. She said she would kiss Mal, marry Fedyer, and kill Alexi. And then she said, sorry, Alex, nothing against you. The competition is hard. <laughs> so, yeah, one of you has to die in this situation. The other two get romantic yep. gestures. I love how that's... Oh, well. She, she gave us a re. It's because... I think it's because she knew she would have to explain why she wanted to kill the person she wanted to kill, but she didn't feel like she needed to explain why she wants to kiss somebody or why she wants to marry somebody else. Mm. I mean, generally speaking, killing someone is a much more uh, intense and big decision as opposed to kissing or marrying someone not that marrying someone is a small decision in any capacity but you're not ending a life now i want to know how's our grisha tally doing we've uh we've gone up haven't we in our grisha tally we currently have eight ethereal guy we added marjo paula and emma underscore morali and we have seven corporal guy we added knee pads and we still have three material guy. I, I'm still looking for all those people who are out there as fabricators and alchemy, 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 however you pronounce it. And just let us know what you are and I will add you to the tally. Alchemy? Fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> and we got some really, really lovely reviews. That we want to share. We did. So thank you to the people who have been sending us those. They really, really make our day. They really make us smile. Yes. So our first review comes from BPW Squad, and they said, Definitely recommend. I'm new to the Grishaverse, and I am excited to read along with the hosts and discuss the details. They provide good points, make you laugh, and you can tell that they really enjoy these stories in each other's company on the podcast. Definitely give them a listen. We do really enjoy these stories and each other's company. Yeah. I love that they're reading it along with us, too, and that they're new to the Grishaverse. I I love that people of different entry points in the fandom, some people have been with us yeah. for a while, some people are new. I, I love to see just the spectrum of people in the fandom who are going on this trip with us. Yeah, definitely very exciting to get people from all different levels of fandom with us. So thank you, okay. BPW Squad. Beow, 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 beow. Our next review comes from Carmen underscore A. They said, very entertaining. As someone who has already read the books, it's been fun to listen to this podcast and discuss what I already know. Very funny and very entertaining to listen to. Oh, thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. See that right there? That's somebody who has already read the books. So they're kind of, I wouldn't say new. If you've read the whole series, then I wouldn't say you were exactly new because it's a commitment to read an entire series of anything. Yeah, it just proves that you can enjoy 
rereading the series and hopefully our show at any point during your Grishaverse exploration time frame. And I hope that as they continue to listen through with us, I hope they come up with some things that we don't. I'm counting on that. I'm not putting any pressure on anybody. It's just that one thing that I've learned from listening to so many podcasts and engaging in so many fandoms is that there are definitely things that people are going to catch or they're going to interpret differently from us. And that's what I look forward to Mm -hmm. seeing the most is the different things that other people come up with. So send us your emails. Please send us your emails. We want to know what you think. We care about what you think. Okay. Last review. So, our last review this week comes from SAB Obsessed Songstress, which is Kendra. Uh, was that? So, thank you, Kendra. Yes, this is Kendra. Kendra is lovely. We love Kendra. We love her mom. So, Kendra said, I'm obsessed with mainly two things reading and writing songs about my favorite books. Shadow and Bone is one of my favorite book series of all time, and when I saw this podcast, I just had to check it out. I'm so glad that I did, and totally loving it. Jeff and Julianne are well-organized, funny, thoughtful in their discussions, respectful, they always give a heads up on spoilers, and wonderfully fun. And the best part is that even though my mom has not read the books, gasp, I did convince her to watch the Netflix series with me, and she is now becoming a fan too. Sometimes we'll even listen to the podcast together while out on a walk or in the car. Highly recommend. I highly recommend both Kendra and her mom. Her talent level is insane. And I feel like she's probably going to come up at least once per episode because the songs she writes are brilliant. She has wonderful Mm -hmm. presence. And even if you don't know, you know what? Even if you don't know anything about Shadow and Bone or anything about the Grishaverse, the songs stand on their own, I think. Yeah, it's just generally speaking good music. It's great music. So I'm going to shout out Kendra, Dante's, and her mom, Drina, who is a fabulous photographer. Yeah, she is, actually. I saw some of her. I was uh, looking at some of her Instagram pictures of some of the flowers that she took pictures of the other day, and they were very pretty. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback and We are now going to move into the main discussion of the episode, which is chapters five and six. Just be noted that there are spoilers beyond this point. So hold on to your bootstraps and let's head on into chapter five, Jeff. Would you like a summary? Because I have one. I, oh, I would, I would love a summary. So in chapter five, Alina has just experienced the Darkling cutting a man in half. No big deal. So she continues to travel with the Darkling and his soldiers to the capital city of Os Alta. She's still refusing to accept that she is Grisha. There are a lot of intense looks being exchanged. A lot of, I feel like, close-ups on people's faces would probably be happening. Alina is stunned to learn that the Darkling is allegedly 120 years old, and he starts to shed some light on how Grisha power is used and viewed throughout the world. Spoiler alert, it's not good outside of Ravka. Not that it's so great inside of Ravka, but I digress. He also blames his great-great-great-grandfather, the Black Heretic, for creating the Shadowfold and explains to Alina why it is so important to destroy it. Finally, they arrive at the capital city of Os Alta and Alina can see literal class divisions. Walls. They are there. The Darkling is trying different strategies to relate to Alina during this whole journey, and only time will tell if any of them 
are going to work because he definitely has an agenda. And by the end of the chapter, Alina doesn't care about anything except getting to sleep in a real bed. Which is honestly the most relatable thing about the chapter. Not the intense looks between two people who may or may not be falling for each other, not the suddenly finding your whole life turned upside down part, not even, not even the class divisions, honestly, or the wars between countries. It's just being so tired and so over it that you just want to go to bed and f*** everything else that's going on. I feel like at the end of this chapter, Alina is literally the epitome of me after a marathon. Or me after just like a really long day. And I'm like, go away, world. I want nothing to do with you. Everything hurts. Just let me fall face flat, splat on my bed, and I will pass out. Good night. Does the world go away when you ask it to? Generally speaking, no. I haven't tried all the ways of asking it. I've been polite. I've yelled at it a few times. But... I'm working on my strategy. Pity. Currently. Yeah. But, so, in this chapter where we start out, we are just riding horses for, like, a really long period of time, which, again, she tells us it's painful. Just sounds painful. I mean, I've ridden a horse before, and I've had to trot, which I'm assuming that they're doing. That's a freaking leg workout. Yeah. I mean, going horseback riding sounds fun, but imagine if that's your only means of conveyance and you have to do it for long periods of time for several days. And they're moving fast, too, so you gotta think you gotta post, which is when you push yourself up every time the horse goes up. Every time the horse um, goes forward. Oh, and fearing assassination. Don't forget about that, because that's already happened once. Yeah, so you must uh, post while also fearing for your life, and it's just very painful on all sides of this. For your body, your brain, and everything else that is happening. Everything that's happening to her is painful for her body and her brain. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they're being nice to her in any capacity. And they're really not getting any kind of food at all. I question the bathroom stops they're taking. I question the amount of fluids that they're taking in. It doesn't seem like a very healthy situation on the Mm -hmm. whole. I can see how her body would degrade even further because she's just not taking care of it not really of her own volition but because the darkling is like we must go forward and is stopping at nothing to get because she's not gonna go on this trip to the capital and join in with these grisha unless somebody's making her do it yeah well i mean the whole time even in this chapter and the next chapter Kind of, it kind of breaks a little bit in the next chapter, but she still is very much on the train of, I'm not a Grisha. I can't believe that I'm going here. I refuse to accept what is happening to me. See, I don't think it's the, it's the having the power or being a Grisha in the sense of having the Grisha power that is a problem for her. I think it's everything that comes along with it. If it was just, okay, so I can unleash light when I'm in a stressful situation and she could just leave it at that, then it would probably be fine. I think it's, everybody Mm -hmm. is treating me like i'm not just a grisha the head of the grisha army just told me that i'm the super important person and i have to do this thing nobody's ever done before i have to go to a new place i have to meet new people i have to go through a whole different level of education and everybody Mm -hmm. is going to treat me like somebody that even i don't know who that is i don't know how to be this so it's not 
having power that's the problem. It's the fact that having this power means that the only life she's known is about to be turned upside down. Yeah, well, uh, and playing off of that, too, I feel like she is kind of unlearning a lot of things that she learned as a kid, because as we heard in the earlier chapters, the non-Grisha don't think very highly of the Grisha. It's kind of reciprocal in the other direction as well, but they think them as very haughty and very just above everything else, and all of a sudden she's having to learn that something that she has at least low-key despised her entire life she's like See, oh does crap she, i am one of these people does she though i, I don't know it, it, i we haven't really seen any evidence that she hates or mistrusts the grisha or thinks that they're unnatural she certainly grew up around enough people who feel that way and she's certainly around enough people who feel that way in the first army but i think that part of the reason she isn't just flat out like throwing a tantrum and refusing this is because she had at least enough of an open mind to think that maybe these people who are being hateful towards the Grisha are wrong. I think she, I don't think she sees them as the devil. I think she sees them as kind of like a poor person looking at a rich person. You know how they would be like, wow, you have all this great stuff. Why can't I have that right. stuff? And it must be nice to live that life that you live. Just not thinking that they're doing evil or mean things, but just being kind of resentful, I guess towards the amount of privilege that they have or perceived privilege that they have within the Robkin society. See, I guess that's fair, but also the only she doesn't have that many firsthand examples of what Grisha are really like. She spent a lot of time with the Darkling now over these that's couple true. of days. She's seen the Grisha who showed up for the examination and she has seen the Grisha who were on the mission that failed in the Shadowfold. See, I feel like her first official interactions with Grisha are not with, like, the best ambassadors of what <laughs> you would want Gre people to think about Grisha's. I mean, the in the uh, the testers back in Karamzin seem, again, kind of haughty, a little bit above everyone in the way that they're treating people when they just show up and expect people to treat them well. And obviously the Darkling is just not the best ambassador of being fluffy, light, and kind. No. But I mean, they're at war, so, and he's a general. Maybe he should have assigned Fenyr to be the official welcome party to the Grisha army thing. That was kind Grisha... of plan A, and it kind of failed because they kind of got attacked kind of by, you know, um, Fjerdens. No, but he sent Ivan, too. I don't think Ivan should have been part of that welcome party. You need someone who's, like, light and fluffy. That little kind of... Ivan was there to be the bad cop and make sure that Fedyr didn't, like, give her too many white fluffy clouds to hold on to because this is an army, they are at war, and she is going to have to go through some very hard days ahead. So that, in addition to the good cop, bad cop interrogation routine to find out who she is, is, I think, why the Darkling might have put them together in that coach. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel as though if Alina has negative thoughts towards the Grisha before she becomes one, from what she's done for her interactions that she had with them so far, I could see being at least a little bit resentful towards them coming into mm -hmm. this. I was wondering too, Jeff. So we get a lot of Alina kind of thinking back as to what's happening back in the first army, thinking about Maul. And one of the things she's thinking about in this chapter is that she didn't get to say goodbye to him. And I was wondering if she did get to say goodbye to him, like, what do you think that he would say? 
if she would say to him. I think that if Alina had known this was the last moment she would see Mal, maybe she would have said that she loves him, but I don't think she would have really had time to make her point that she loves him, loves him, like she's in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then he probably would not have had a chance to really respond because they would have probably dragged her away before he could get that far. Yeah, that's true. And I definitely agree with you in the fact that in your note here that says the payoff requires much more of a buildup. Just in regards to Lee's writing style, she definitely makes you work for any kind of romantic relationship that's happening in these books. So a payoff that quickly and that profound in these books, I don't think would happen. And I'm kind of glad it doesn't because then I feel like this romantic relationship, which um, as we might have touched on before, Juliana is not like the biggest fan of Mal. He uh, definitely is not my favorite character. Let's be fair We're to just Mal. going to leave it there. He's, he's a boy who is like 17, 18 years old. I will give him that much. And his ability to talk about his feelings leaves uh, many things to be desired as we go forward and currently. But <laughs> I, I, I think that if we have had that relationship like established this early in the books, it would have played a much bigger role, which I wouldn't have liked because I like this female woman taking names and kicking ass and doing things storyline way better than any kind of romantic storyline here's my thing about mal up to this point there really aren't that many reasons to be mad at him unless you're the kind of person who's been in that relationship where you're in love with somebody and they refuse to see you the way you want to be seen and you can't just tell them because you want them to notice instead of you having to just say it to their face and they're shamelessly flirting with a whole bunch of other people then I feel like if that doesn't bother you, then at this point, at least, there's no reason to be angry with Mal. Alina's in love with him. He doesn't really seem to understand that, but he hasn't really done anything wrong. You know what? I will give you that, Jeff. I will give you that. I think I am just harboring resentment that comes from <laughs> feelings further along this series. So uh, at this point, yes, I agree that he he's a kid. He's just doing his thing. And he hasn't really given us too many reasons to dislike him at this point in time, specifically. So Alina spends pretty much this entire journey to the capital talking to the Darkling. So why don't we talk about the Darkling and what he's up to here? Yes, yeah, so he, he seems to be actually not really talking with her that much at all until they have that one stop where they're at the, I think it's a barn. Um, it's a barn. And they're all sitting around the... They're all sitting around the fireplace and he allows her to ask him questions after some kind of toying with her a little bit and being a little bit coy about things. He finally asks, well, you says, well, you can ask me something. And she blurts out, how old are you? And I was thinking in my head, how was this the first question that you asked him? Was there nothing else that you wanted to ask him? I actually think that the age question is appropriate. Hmm, okay. Do explain. He's not just a Grisha. He's the Grisha. And she wants... She's making small talk. So what else are you going to ask him? Because she knows just enough to know that the Darkling 
has been around for a while. So she wants to know how long has he been the Darkling? And she starts off by wondering how old he is. Because she knows the stories of the Darkling go back a lot longer than this person has probably been alive. Because he looks like he's about her age. Yeah, like early But the stories of the Darkling go back so far that she wants to know how long he's been the Darkling. Because if he's going to try to understand her, she's going to try to understand him too. Hmm. So this is actually a good place to start. I guess you're right, Jeff. I will agree with you on that one. Uh, We also get them talking about some of the other finer points of being a Grisha. Because she asks him in that same line of thought, then how do you look this way? How do you look so young? And he explains- Because he follows a lot of beauty vloggers on YouTube like everyone else. Oh yeah, he has a 16-step facial facial routine every morning. Have you not seen his videos? No, we've established on this show that it's headcanon for both of us that the Darkling is a drag queen, so you know he follows a lot of beauty vloggers on YouTube, and he's watching just makeup tutorials the whole time they're on this trip. I mean, what do you think he's doing when he's riding on his horse? He's clearly making doing his face. He's working on his <laughs> contouring. Yeah. It's hard to contour while you're riding on a horse. Hey, it's hard to contour, period. Just trust me. But yeah, we definitely, we get an explanation as to why he looks this way. And it is that when Grisha use their power, it actually enhances their being and kind of makes them flourish from within. And more power equals you get pretty and your power gets even more amplified and better. And that means you live longer. So, hence the longer life and the pers- the stated, stated longer life by him. We will say, he says he's 120, give or take. Yes, that is the trivia question answer. And I, I will just say I don't fully trust the Darkling at this point. Um, he's called the Darkling. I was yeah. never going to trust him. Yes, I know. We neither, but I love him as a character. He's a great character. He's very I mean, well I feel like at best they set him up to be one of those relatable villains where he makes a lot of good, well-reasoned arguments for why he does what he does, but you know deep down he's still a villain. So I was never really going to root for him. So it's more a question of how much am I going to mistrust him and how yeah. much am I going to disagree with exactly what he's doing? Yes. Because sometimes with characters like that, like if they have to kill a lot of people in order to stay in power, it's not so much, okay, they had to kill people to stay in power and killing is wrong. It's who did they have to kill to stay in power and why did they really do it? Yeah. Like, are they a villain? Yes. Are they a relatable villain who genuinely thinks they're doing the right thing? Maybe. At this point, we don't have enough information to know that about the darkling yeah so we'll just have to wait and see speaking of making you know well-reasoned arguments for why you're doing what you're doing the darkling has this moment where he is explaining to alina exactly how he put this whole second army together and he Mm -hmm. says i didn't have to gather them they came to me other countries don't treat their grisha so well as ravka the Fjerdens burn us as witches, and the Kurch sell us as slaves. The Shuhan carve us up, seeking the source of our power. Yeah. 
it definitely is interesting to learn how I feel like from the beginning chapters, we kind of get this feeling that the Grisha are above everyone else and they have this place of privilege in society. And then as we learn about the greater world around Ravka, we learn that they are actually a very persecuted subgroup of people that people either use as slaves or they kill or they just are not good to in any capacity. And it definitely is interesting to have that nuance built into this universe, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about some of this in our in one of our earlier episodes where we were unpacking this universe. They have religious persecution in Fjorda, so they just want them to be gone forever. Mm-hmm. The Kirch want to use them to make money because we know they have indentured servitudes there. And in the Shu Han, they are doing experiments on Grisha to understand the source of their power, again, so they can use it for themselves. So somebody cares about being more powerful than anybody else, somebody cares about just being rich, because money is power, and somebody is so pious and religiously motivated by their convictions that they want to eliminate an entire group of people. People like power. Now, you will notice he doesn't say anything about the other countries. He doesn't say anything about Novia Zem. Mm-hmm. No, because he wants her to focus on Ravka good, other countries bad. Yeah, he's setting the precedence for how he wants her to enter into the Grisha community. And he wants her, he wants her to be on his side. Because, as we'll see going forward, he and have already seen... Oh, this this man loves to manipulate people. It's one of oh, his yeah. favorite things to be doing. Oh, yeah. And from the start, he's going to let us know that all these other countries, they don't have your best interest in mind. Where would you go? You have nowhere that you could go. They will just do all these terrible things to you. You should stay with me. I'm the person you want to be with. I will take care of you. I have your best interest in mind. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Yeah, he's brainwashing her. This is what people yeah. in cults do. They yeah. make you see the world the way it really is. I did air quotes, which I'm explaining <laughs> because we're in an audio medium here. And then they explain to you why not only are they the ones who see the way things really are, but their way is better. And if you can just embrace that, then you will be so much happier. I also made a note, too, that I feel like the relationship at this point between Alina and the Darkling feels very Dumbledore Harry Potter to me, where the Darkling is like, tee hee hee, I have all this information and I'm not going to tell it to you now. It might lead to some situations where you could die, but I won't give you any information. I'm just going to tell you a few things so that way you can do these one or two tasks for me and then I will leave you dependent on me to come back for things and then maybe I won't tell you everything. Everything. I don't know. Interesting. Yes, I, I very much saw that relationship, not in the parenting kind of fatherly way that we get the Dumbledore Harry relationship, but it definitely feels as though he is not telling her everything mm. and using that to his advantage. Again, the man loves to work a room and likes to manipulate people. He's a great chess player. Yeah. He knows what each he he knows what each piece is capable of and he keeps an eye on everybody else's pieces to see what they're doing and he needs to make sure he stays a few steps ahead. Yeah. He's got and strategy, he's... but he's not going to give it away until it's time. Yeah. 
And he's very good at manipulating people's emotions and feelings. And we even see this at the end of the chapter where Alina is just constantly questioning whether she hurt the Darkling's feelings or not, or she said something wrong, or his feelings are hurt. And I was just thinking, oh, girl, you did not hurt his feelings. No. He don't give a crap. He no, he don't. He, yeah, he does Botox. He doesn't have feelings. Yeah, none. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing the there. Getting Botox now. He is a drag queen. You and I are gonna change the world. <laughs> and she's like, I, I I can hear your voice, but your lips don't look like they're moving. <laughs> they arrive at Os Alta, and there are literally walls dividing the classes in the city the poor people it's like the districts in the hunger games the poorest and most disenfranchised people who are more working class live towards the outside and then as you work your way inside you peel back the layers of this privileged onion until you get to the white shiny center where all the wealthy people live and try to pretend that their way is the only way that matters. And the people on the outsides don't exist until they want to feel good about themselves and then they stand out on their balconies and say, look at these peasants, look at these peasants down there, look how fancy and privileged we are, look at these peasants. And that's what they do. Don't they have their the peasants. Yeah. They have their afternoon tea and then they have their time from 3.58 to 4 o'clock every afternoon where they look out and they just observe the peasants for two minutes and take it in and make sure that they feel good about themselves and then they carry on with the rest of their day. And Alina, of course, being somebody who didn't grow up in Osalta, who came from a very, very poor background... She never had anything, and she can see what she calls the other Os Alta. So she, it's it's almost like she's encountering multiple different cities as she gets closer uh, yeah. to the capital. And on the one hand, yeah. I get it. The royal family lives here. They're in charge of everything. Security is very, very important. But on the other hand, it's very, very clear that this is one of those places where the people who have everything look at the people who have nothing and they say, well, this is just the way that it is. It's the way that things have always been. The system works. The system doesn't work. Yeah, it just makes the richer rich. It doesn't work. It never worked. Oh, no. But, yeah, I agree with you, too, in that it's... The system works for the rich people. It doesn't work for the poor people, and they're not interested in changing it. When we do get introduced to Azalta, the middle part, that's all the rich part, Lee Bardugo can write a scene description. By God, this woman is great. Mm -hmm. And it just sounds beautiful. But I do love the Darkling's response, and he says, I think it's the ugliest building I've ever seen. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> when they get up. <laughs> and to that I say, thank you, Darkling Drag Queen. Thank you very much for your hot take. Yeah. But the Darkling does not like. He he thinks that the Grand Palace is just ugly as all hell. He Do you says, think maybe no, he's thank you. saying that to relate to Alina because he knows that she did not come from a place that's anything like this. 
Like, he's trying to brush it off and say, oh, rich people and their extravagance. Like, I know that I pay my interior decorator a lot, probably, because as you recall, there were chandeliers in my frigging tent. Crystal chandeliers, thank you very much. But I, I prefer to take a small, quaint space and accessorize the sh** out of it. I don't need <laughs> an estate the size of the Kardashian house in Calabasas or wherever they live now. I feel as though he is the TV show on HGTV that renovates houses, one of those renovation ones where the house looks like crap initially, but then he comes in and he's like, Darlings, I am going to decorate. And, and when he's done, he spent a lot of money, but it looks lovely. But it technically started as a crapper looking house. But um, he, yeah, he, 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 uh, not really a full hypocrite but kind of a hypocrite <laughs> mm -hmm. because you know the man does have crystal chandeliers so you can only say so many things when you're decorating your tent not even your house your tent your tent with crystal, sh your tent with crystal chandeliers <laughs> but he could be trying to relate to alina i think but i honestly i think that the so we get to we get the description of the the main palace and then we get to move over to the little palace which is where all the Grisha live and I per personally think that the little palace sounds much more beautiful and ornate and somewhere that I would want to be and for some reason when I imagined it I imagined it to be brown I think because of all the carvings and stuff that are described to be in there I imagined it was made of wood for some reason I could be fully off the base palace yeah. You imagined a wooden palace? Yeah, kind of like, I imagine it's some kind of like weird, now we're just getting into how Julianna sees, <laughs> sees all the scenes in, of the books in her head. So uh, any potential suitors out there, what we have just learned is that Juliana would like to live in a wooden palace. Uh, so, so if you cannot build that for her, you have no chance. The last thing that happens in this chapter that just kind of makes me go, wait, wait is when they take Alina to her room and the servant tells her, make sure to lock your door as a precaution. And I'm thinking, let's be honest here. Based on the level of power with these individuals that we've already seen and how much danger she's already been in, are locks really going to be that helpful? Yeah. Like maybe yeah. they're fabricator locks? Yeah, probably not. fabricator just like locks? I would hope so, because a regular lock, I don't think it's going to get you very far, because even a regular person can break a regular lock. I guess so. so. Like, we, we yeah. haven't really seen that much of of who exactly is going to be guarding Alina or what exactly what security protocols are in place to protect the royal family in, in Alta. Because she's mm -hmm. at the Little Palace, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she describes that even though palace. it's called the Little Palace, it's very, very extravagant. Yes. But even so... I mean, I guess if they're being attacked by feared and spies again, or by anybody from other countries that is not utilizing Grisha power, then yeah, maybe locks would be helpful. But, oh my god. What? I think I just thought. What? Um, so this is a little bit of a peek into the next chapter, but... Okay. See, originally, we get to this moment with the servant telling her to lock her door as a precaution, I was thinking to myself, the locks aren't really going to be that helpful because there are people out there who may be after her who have such great power 
that they're not going to be stopped by a lock. But now I'm thinking, based on the conversation we're about to have with Jenya, where she has this moment of foreshadowing when she mentions the king, I think there's a possibility that the serpent oh. might have been trying to, yeah, warn her oh. against uh, something else. That's a really good point, oh, Jeff. That, That's something oh, I did not oh, think of. I just made myself so uncomfortable by suggesting that. I think there's merit to that possibility, but oh, I do not like yeah. to think about that. Yeah, uh, no, that's a really good point, actually. Oof. It's not a pleasant thing to think about, but it definitely is a really good point to be making. So that's chapter five. And now we are moving on to the, you know what comes after chapter five? Uh... Chapter six. Oh. Yeah, that's a good place Ooh. for it, I think. So how's about you gives us a summaries for chapter six? Yes, the summary for chapter six is... So, we get Alina, she's waking up, and she is immediately confronted by Genya, by, who is knocking on her door and wants her to let her in, and Genya is the person who is responsible for giving Alina a lovely makeover before she is presented to the king. And we learn that Genya is a tailor, meaning that she can change the appearance of herself and others, including their skin tone and their like makeup and things like that which she does for Alina where she heals her bruises evens out her skin tone stains her lips and puts some nice highlights in her hair and then we get Alina getting a bath and it's kind of a violent bath because the servants just kind of drug is not drag drug uh the servants drag her into the bath and Alina is very resistant to all the things that are happening and Genya has to explain to her that the king is the one who is going to see her and he values beauty and that is why she is getting all fixed up and then after that conversation she receives a clean army cartographer's uniform and she is very confused and Genya also explains that she needs to appear as a lowly soldier with a hidden power. So after all this primping and pampering, Alina and Genya assemble with the other Grisha in the hall. And then we have a lovely kind of almost fight between the Corporal guy and the Ethereal guy as to who is going to get to walk in with Alina. And then a certain deep-voiced someone orders that Alina comes to walk with him. I wonder who that could be. It ain't Mal Oritzev, I'll tell you that. <laughs> And definitely not. It's the, uh, I, I'm going to call it the ultimate prom date. Because this is the exact person that everyone in school would have been like, <gasps> if you got to go to the prom with them, he's the prom king and he's asking her to the school dance. And she's like, <laughs> okay, there's I another guess. title for his book. Prom king, drag queen. Prom king. <laughs> Very nice. I feel like by the time we are done with this podcast, Jeff, or at least the Shadow and Bone books, we are going to have a fully fleshed out book written on the Darkling and his drag queen persona. Okay, great. But I can't write a book, so someone else is going to have to do that. If you write books, please let us know. Reach out to us. We would love to write a Darkling drag queen book. We have a few listeners out there who do write books, but I'm not going to like put pressure on them to write this one only because they're working on fabulous books of their own that I can't wait to read. Yes. Quick thought. I didn't want to interrupt your summary because I felt like it was going rather well, I, I, but you kept saying Genya. 
Oh, wow. Yes. Is it is it Genya? So first it was Fen your not fed your and then I think there was another one before we arrive at Genya not Genya. Is there another oh. one? There was there another oh. name? Wait till we get to the next chapters, Jeff. Oh gosh. Then yeah. we're going to meet some more people who I already know that I pronounced their names incorrectly. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's we're going to have fun with that. Yeah. You're going to love me after we're done with that chapter. See, one of the joys of rereading these books with you has been trying to remember what was my first impression of these characters when I had never read these books before. And I remember mm -hmm. very clearly thinking that Jenya is a total bitch. Yeah, she kind of is. Just based on this first impression, because she has, it's, it's not just that she has no room for nonsense, no time to explain everything that she's doing, even though we've expressed how we feel about consent and informed consent already. It's mm -hmm. just the way that she very clearly thinks it would be a waste of time for her to explain everything she's doing for why she's doing it and to defend why she thinks these things are important. She just has this very, yeah. trust me, I know what I'm doing you need to just shut up and take it kind of attitude when it comes to all these things she's doing with Alina. So apart from being a person who is superficial, just at first blush, Jenya is the first real example of tailoring that we get to see. And she makes it clear. She can't completely change who you are. Like she can't restructure your DNA. And like, if you're overweight, she can't shrink you down in time for bikini season not like that kind of thing she can just make what's on the outside different and mm -hmm. for her that seems to translate to i can make you more beautiful than you can make yourself that seems to be her job yeah she just is kind of like a permanent makeup artist per se in this situation specifically or semi-permanent because she tells alina that it will wear off after a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and yeah, I agree. It's interesting to see this other class of Grisha that isn't listed in the initial rankings that you get at the beginning of the book. And also, we don't know any other tailors. She's the only one that we've met so far in the entirety of the books. Yeah, we know and... that there's a healer and a corporalkai. We know there's squalors and um, inferni, but this is the first tailor that we get to meet. And as a tailor and as a representative of the Grisha community, I gotta say, I don't think she's really doing Alina any favors here. Yeah. But the Darkling clearly did not send her in to, to be make nice. Alina feel better about Grisha. Yeah. She definitely is there to do a job. And it's interesting, too, because in this chapter we see that once Alina says yes to letting get Jenya tailor her she Jenya lets out a sigh of relief she's like oh thank god we can see that she was sent here on a job it's not that she wants to be there and is like girl we gotta get your makeup on point before you see the king it is just she <laughs> actual is line the from the book <laughs> <laughs> get those brows on fleek and she she's there because she has been ordered by the darkling to carry out a job and it sounds like like alina thinks that there is going to be some repercussion if that job is not carried through with yeah and meanie but darkling decides to just send a tailor she says specifically if the darkling had wanted you healed he would have sent a healer why didn't he send a 
He's so evil. And see, this is what I was... Remember when we talked about how it's the way they're presenting her matters because he wants to control the narrative. Because they send some mixed signals here. They want to put her in a simple First Army uniform because they need to double down on this idea of she's a Grisha, but she didn't know that. See, Grisha can come from everywhere. Grisha are in your backyard, bud. You don't know how many Grisha there are in the world, but I do because I'm smarter than you. They put her in that uniform, but he also at the same time knows that the king is going to be much more predisposed to let the Darkling let this woman come live at the little palace and join the second army if she's pretty. Because the king's not going to give a shit about her unless she is pleasing to his eye. Yeah. Which, by the way, fuck the king. I already hate this guy. We haven't oh, met yeah. him. I hate him already. Yeah. He he sounds absolutely horrific from just this first impression that we get. And we'll learn more, more about the king going forward, too. And I can say that my opinion of him doesn't change and gets worse as we learn things. And we kind of get a glimmer into that when... When... um. Genya is talking about the king and the queen and the way how it sounds like she doesn't respect them and has had negative interactions with both of them in the past. But again, we will learn more about that going forward. But um, yeah, I think that's all I was going to say about that, Jeff. I'm fascinated um, by Genya's power, though, mm -hmm. because we've talked a little bit about how with Grisha, it, it, with like with with the corporalka, we've talked about how your target has to be within sight and you have to be able to use your hands. All Grisha have to be able to use their hands for their power. But like with the Order of Summoners, what they're manipulating has to be there. They can't just make something out of nothing. With the corporalka, they need a human person in front of mm -hmm. them in order to use their ability. With tailors, they're using unconventional materials because she doesn't just take makeup out of a box and put the makeup on her like she changes the tint of her lips by removing the tint from a flower petal can you yeah. i'm speaking of beauty vloggers can you imagine how many subscribers she would have if she had her own youtube channel where she was showing people how she can take the tint from a flower petal and use that on your mm -hmm. lips Oh, so many. Probably probably even more than the Darkling, I think. And that would definitely be a point of contention between the two of them. Maybe that's why they don't really like each other as, like, best buddies. Because they have this YouTube brawl going on in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Headcanon! Uh, but I, I definitely agree in the fact that it's very interesting how she kind of toes the line between two different orders of... Grisha, she's almost a fabricator, but she's also almost a corporal guy How because is she she's almost a fabricator. She's creating something um, by using the chemicals from something else. She's like rearranging chemicals. She's using the chemicals to alter somebody's appearance, but she's not making things. She's altering a person. That's what a tailor yeah. does. If she were making, if she were using the chemicals to make objects, then yeah, sure, I would say she probably has some fabricator in her, but that's not. Like, being able to mix two things together in a bottle does not a fabricator make. But she's, I don't know. She's I'm not manipulating the, she's... the chemicals further than just switching up the contents of certain packages and bottles, is what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking, like, the transfer of the chemicals from the, from the flower onto the lips and making them 
kind of bind with the chemicals on her lips. Right, that's the Taylor power, but she's using organic materials to do that to an organic being. She's not creating a finite thing with something that isn't alive. Hmm. That's the difference with fabricators. Hmm. Okay. Fine. I will accept it. Uh... Alina's confidence is very, very interesting in this chapter. Yeah, she seems to have a lot of confidence in herself, but she's also very self-deprecating. That's a very relatable thing, because she's trying yeah. to be secure in her knowledge and her sense of self, which is admittedly slipping, because people keep trying to change her perception of herself by introducing all these new factors. By the way, you have Grisha power. By the way, you have Grisha power that nobody else has. We are going to physically change you into a better looking version of yourself so that the king will like you. It's really difficult to accept that you're good enough and good at things that matter when you're surrounded by people who feel otherwise, and now those people are literally putting their influences on you. And why? So that you can join them, so that you can be one of them, and so that you can do what they want you to do. Because what's she going to do? Tell them no? Yeah, that's true. I She's just kind of going through a identity crisis in a way. I mean, not in a way, but she is because she's being told that she's one thing. She doesn't really believe it. There's evidence on one side. There's evidence on the other side. Yeah. Mm. I can see where her confidence would be wavering. And she would also be kind of critical of things of herself. But I, I just know that I can definitely be self-deprecating to myself, even though I am not being told that I'm a Grisha and not going through all these things. Sometimes it's just a way to cope. You know... We keep talking about things that they should have done, things that they should have said, things that they should have prepared her for, but they didn't. And admittedly, it's a little hard to be sure of the passage of time here, but I really feel like since they have now dragged her here, they are changing her physical appearance, putting her in a specific uniform, expecting her to conduct herself in a certain way in order to sell this, somebody should have prepared her for being presented at court. Mm -hmm. She's never been in a situation like this before. And now they're asking her to present this version of her that they want to come across. And she doesn't even know who that is. Yeah, she's being asked to play a role that she hasn't been given the character description for yet. Right. And it's, I think what you can expect coming up in the next chapter where she has to meet the king is that somebody is probably expecting to do a lot of the talking for her. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. I don't know. Probably Mal. He's probably going to show yeah. up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, uh, That's going to happen. 100%. If you're going to put somebody in a high-pressure situation like that, you need to prep them as much as possible. And nobody is doing that for Alina, and it's got frustrating. The reason that Alina, I think, is not told what's going on is because the Darkling wants to just be in control. He wants to be the one running the situation. If she has too much information, then she can take over and talk and do things by herself. And he's not having any part of that. Thank you very much. He is the one who found her and he is the one who is going to control the room. He Thank has you. to control everything. Yes. He's running I the must. show. Oh, yeah. He's definitely large and in charge. And then we have this little squabble between Marie and and Sergei over which order she's going to enter the hall with? Who I cares? 
I would just like to shout out the audiobooks right now because I was listening to the audiobooks earlier and the voice that the woman reading the audiobooks gives to Sergei is just great because it's the generic like, I thought, I thought that the like another generic one, like Sergei. 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 It's a, so we've got Sergei, Sergei, we've got Genya, we've got Fenyor. Nikolai. Nikolai. Yo, just wait. Wow. There's going to be plenty more. Don't worry. You're, Don't worry, you're friends. Good at words. Words are really but nice. Me and words get along go. very well. Yeah. Yes, we do. But she gives him this really like do 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 like dorky dude voice that is just like I'm hey, my, my, my dorky guy. It's like and we're it's, listening uh, to the book live on the show. Yeah, exactly I know, right? It. it made me. It just made me laugh so much because she does voices for certain characters, but not for other ones. But she decided that. Sergey was going to be yeah. Why isn't she coming to walk with us? But how many layers of conflict do we need? We already have wars between countries, mistrust between Grisha and non-Grisha, literal walls separating rich people from poor people, and now even the Grisha fight amongst themselves as to which order is superior. Yeah. How and many we'll layers of conflict do we actually need here? A lot, apparently. A lot of layers, Jeff. Many layers. Many, 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 uh, many layers. Get ready to take a bite out of this onion. Ew. Ew. So, that is the end of chapter six. And any final statements, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns you would like to leave us with, Jeff, about chapter six? I think I... I um I think I'm ready to move on to our game, but just making sure that you are t- cared for and taken taken into account. No, I'm I want to know what other people think about these chapters. Okay, so let us know, friends. Send us an email. Send us a DM. Tweet at us, and let us know what your thoughts, feelings, and everything are about these chapters. Yeah, and especially what I really want to know. I I have my fingers crossed. Is if there's anybody who, like me, has read the series through several times that is reflecting on what were their first impressions of certain characters, I want to know, mm. like, when you first encountered the Darkling, or when you first encountered Jenya, or when you first met Mal Ortsev up to this point, before he really has had time to do much, apart from be somebody Alina is in love with and grew up with, like, what did you think? Yes. Where, where, where do you I, think this was going? I would like to know how people pronounce these words. How did you pronounce these words the first time you read them? Oh yeah, we eh. will we will accept audio recordings if you if you're set up for that kind of thing. Record yourself pronouncing the names the way you think they're pronounced or the way you thought they were pronounced, and send that to our email. We would love to share that, or even write them out phonetically, and then I will pronounce them here. So, Juliana, we are going to take my spin on a classic. We are going to do a Mad Lib. You've done a Mad Lib before. Yes, I have. Anybody who is not familiar with Mad Libs, you take basically what amounts to about a paragraph. You remove certain parts of speech like nouns, adjectives, verbs. You ask somebody to fill in those parts of speech without telling them what they are actually filling in. And then by the end, I think the goal is that you end up with something ridiculous and funny. 
Yes, let's do it. My brother used to take a different tact with Mad Libs because what he would do is he would just come up with things that were very dry and not funny because his goal was to try to actually construct a real thing. Oh, that's no fun. That's no fun. So I'm going to encourage you, Juliana, to do the opposite. When I ask you for these things, I want you to just really go for it, which I okay. know you're capable of doing. So I can't wait to see I where believe this is in going. myself. I believe in myself. Okay. Okay. So first up, give me a place. Oh, God. Let's do um, a beer garden. Okay. An adjective. Spicy. Okay. A person. Who do I want to do? Let's, let's pick um, Vladimir Putin. Okay. Uh, give me a room in the house. Can we say, can I say the loo? The loo. I want specifically, I want the loo. Okay, the loo. I've got that. Okay, give me a noun. A noun. Butter. I need you to give me a verb ending in ing. Spitting. Good. I need you to give me a verb ending in ed. Blasted. Okay. I need you to give me another noun. Trash bag. Okay, another noun. Oh gosh, what, what do I have in my apartment that's a noun? Which is everything. Let's do unicorn. This is great. I wish you could, you, you're going to love this. Okay, an adjective. Oh, an adjective. That's a verb that describes a verb. Describes uh, a noun, yeah. Oh, describes a noun. Oh, yeah. sorry. Mm, does pickled count? Mm, does that just... No. Short? Short works. Okay. Okay, give me a color. Purple, because it's my favorite. Purple. And a plural body part. Toes. Okay. Singular body part. Eyeball. Just one. Just one eyeball. Okay. An emotion. Devastated. And you have to write devastated, not devastated. Devastated. Thank you very much. I'll put devastation. Trust me. That's how it has to be. I need okay. you to give me a sound. Okay, and a plural noun. A plural noun. Can I do peanut butter cups? You can do peanut butter cups. Oh, thank you. Okay. So now I'm going to tell you, now that we filled in the Mad Lib, I'm going to tell you what I did. In the beginning of chapter six, we didn't really cover this, but... Alina is recalling a terrifying dream she has where her brain is clearly trying to make sense of what is going on with her, which just made me think, oh, no. where is a therapist when you need one? Am I right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I decided to take that passage where she's describing the dream and turn it into a Mad Lib. So first, I'm going to read the passage so everyone knows where we started, and then I'm going to read your rewritten version so everyone can see where we ended up. Oh, boy. All right, so this is the dream that Alina has in Chapter 6. I dreamed that I was back in Karamzin, slipping through the darkened hallways on stocking feet, trying to find Mal. I could hear him calling to me, but his voice never seemed to get any closer. Finally, I reached the top floor and the door to the old blue bedroom where we like to sit in the window seat and look at our meadow. I heard Mal laughing. I threw open the door and screamed. There was blood everywhere. 
The Volcro was perched on the window seat, and as it turned on me and opened its horrible jaws, I saw that it had grey quartz eyes. I bolted awake, my heart thudding in my chest, and looked around in terror. For a moment, I couldn't remember where I was. Then I groaned and flopped back onto the pillows. Oh, this has got to be fun. That was a terrible dramatic reading of, of that dream. But I feel like my voice is more suited to your version of the dream, which goes a little something like this. I can't wait. I dreamed that I was back in a beer garden, slipping through <laughs> the darkened hallways on spicy feet, trying to find <laughs> Vladimir Putin. I could hear him calling to me, but his voice never seemed to get any closer. Finally, I reached the top floor and the door to the old blue, the loo, where we'd like to sit in the window seat and look at our butter. I heard Vladimir Putin spitting. I threw open the door and blasted. There was trash bags everywhere. The unicorn was perched on the window seat, and as it turned to me and opened its short jaws, I saw that it had purple toes. I bolted awake my heart thudding in my eyeball, and looked around in devastation. For a moment, I couldn't remember where I was. Then I mad and flopped back onto the peanut butter cups. <laughs> oh, that was oh, lovely, darling, Jeff. Your applause is for yourself. You wrote it. Well, thank you. I, I'm a very good author. I, I can tell that already. God, what a if, treat. If by some weird twist of fate, Lee Bardugo ever hears what we did <laughs> to her wonderful, beautiful text, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I I think I genuinely, I think that our version is better. It's much more entertaining. I love that unicorns have purple toes. That really just makes it. And that... <laughs> I'm intrigued by the part of you and Vladimir Putin sitting in the loo looking <laughs> at butter. Totally and normal I heard, way to pass the time. And then I heard him spitting and found all the trash bags in the hallway. So what else can you do? You just <laughs> meh, and then you flop back onto <laughs> the peanut butter cups. See, it makes total sense. Honestly, this sounds more like a dream that I would actually have as opposed to the nightmare that she has that is a lot more coherent. And my, my dreams are much more along the line of the story that we just wrote. This was too much fun. We are going to have to probably do this again sometime. Yes. And listeners, let us know what you thought of this segment as well, because we'd love to get your hot takes on that, too. Oh, yeah. If anybody wants to attempt to fill in the Mad Lib, go for it. Yes. All I or, can do, say. or pick another section of the books and create a Mad Lib for one of your friends and have oh, them gosh, fill it out. Yeah. Send us your Mad Libs. We want to hear yes. what you come up with. Yes, we will read them here if you send them our way. Okay, so our last segment of the week is our question of the week. Our question from the last episode was, how old does the Darkling tell Alina he is? And he tells her that he is 120, give or take, you know. And correct answers were submitted from Paula and Mel this week. So thank you both for submitting an answer to us. So for our next episode, we'll be discussing chapters 7 and 8 of Shadow and Bone. So our question for next week is, in chapter 7, when Jenya first mentions Bagra to Alina, how does she describe Bagra? I'll give you a hint. It's a quote, 
and it's four words exactly. Yes. So if you have the correct answer to that question, you can tweet at us, email us, or send us a DM, and we will read off your name at the end of next episode. If you would like to get in contact with us here and into the full pod, you can listen to us on all places where pods are cast, and we are also on YouTube, so you can check us out there as well. And if you want to keep in touch with us, if you just want to chat and say hi, if you want to see some of the fun content that we're posting between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IntoTheFoldPod. And you can also email us at IntoTheFoldPod at gmail.com. And like we said, send us your Mad Libs. Send us the answers to the questions. Send us your hot takes. We would love to have them. And if you're one of the people who's listening who is enjoying the show and you want to do something to help us out, you can always leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave us a five-star review, then we will read it on the show. Until next time, see see you in in the fold. fold. But uh, we digress, Jeff. We digress. Do we digress? I feel like we don't digress that well. No. It takes no, we finesse don't. to digress. Ooh, and I just came up with that now, actually. I like that. Wow. I like that. Oh, wow. Okay. All Put right. that on a t shirt. Yes. News from the front. Hang on. I need to take a drink. No. So we did the get queen an of email beverages from says they're only for what? her. They said the queen of beverages says that only she can drink beverages. Yeah, and, and only that is if it. you're screwing and unscrewing the lid next to the microphone, right? Right, right, right. Don't. God, there you. Wow. Do you know what time it is? Hello! I would have also been in a mess like this because my ideal boyfriend at that point was Edward Cullen. God bless the Arf. soul of 18-year-old Juliana. Icky. Yeah, this, yuck. Just makes yuck. you kind of no, yucky from the inside. No, thank you. Dude, We won't spoiler. tell you. Spoiler! spoiler we won't dude. tell you. Yeah, sorry. Dude, spoiler. Dude, yeah, yeah. Spoiler, dude. Yeah. Ha-ha! It's the Jeff... And nobody else show, because Juliana is taking a break, and I am quite awake, if I do. I kind of wonder if Genya, 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 if, okay, Alexa, Uh, a way to move the the plot, Alexa just beeped, you went boop, boop.